Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. everybody welcome in to underground sports philadelphia episode number 420 blaze it hashtag nice all that good stuff fun memes uh it's kb and matt coming at you from underground studios unfortunate that this episode doesn't fall next week on 420 we're so close almost made it uh we got a lot to dive into from the fills the sixers and of course our buffs and snuffs survivor segment at the end of the show for the real ones but before we get started, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter, Instagram, at UndergroundPHI, our Nick Castellanos jersey giveaway. This is the final full week. Next Monday, we announce who's taking that bad boy home and being one of the first owners of a Nick Castellanos jersey, Phillies edition. Uh, and he's hitting the ball pretty well. We're going to get into that as well later on in the show. But follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UndergroundPHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you're feeling about the Phillies, the Sixers, the Eagles. Do the Flyers even exist? Uh, the Union, of course, top of the table in the MLS, doing the damn thing, holding it down, quickly becoming uh, – Team number four in Philadelphia, uh, but five stars only. Apple Podcast, Spotify, because uh, we have standards. We know you do too. And we know they're five stars, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Just search Underground Sports Philadelphia on YouTube. We are 18 subscribers away from you guys getting full video episodes of all of your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia shows in video form. Big shout out to our sponsors who make this show happen. Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, Tomahawk Shades. I'm wearing them right now. It was a big time, busy, staring at screens weekend for your boy. So I'm rocking those blue light glasses. And you guys can get your blue lights, sunglasses, t-shirts, hats, all that good stuff and more at TomahawkShades.com and use promo code USP to get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker. See who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know? We uh, it was It was written in stone, kind of gospel for us. We were both at the Phillies game. On Saturday, and we got to witness the boys' first home run in red pinstripes. We saw Nick Castellanos go deep to left center, make it a 2 nothing ball game, and at least we got to see a win. Phillies, unfortunately, dropped the series to the Mets uh, to start this week. They're now 3-3. Three and three. Guys are getting options. Gene Segura's day-to-day after he gets hit in the hand. But, I mean, it's it's April. That's what happens. Tough, uh, tough few weeks for a hand yeah. hand injuries with the Phillies. Not ideal. Not not the best uh, 
circumstances there. But I think we'd be remiss to not talk about our boy becoming a folk hero as well. Uh, and we're not talking about Nick Castellanos. We're talking about Alec Bowman. Yeah. Um, in probably the most roundabout way, if you had told me this time last year that Alec Bohm would be getting a standing ovation uh, like the fifth game of the season against the Mets, I'd think we might have won the World Series or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the sequence of events, though, had you explained them to me, I'd be like, that actually makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who missed it, he was on camera after one of his many three errors. Many errors. Number two. Does didn't even count his a few awful throws that he had to first that were almost there. Like really just bad night. Um defensively. Great offensively. Yes. Started the <laughs> uh, rally. But yeah, he was uh caught on camera mouthing, I effing hate this place. <laughs> um and he owned up to it in his post uh, game interview and said, Yeah, I said that uh is a key to the moment. Uh but you know, I, I do love this place. And then he gets it. I think the fact that he owned up to it and the fact that he was like candid um, is why people respond that way. Cause it's almost like Philly has always been painted as this place of like a lot of toxicity and booing. Um, and there's certainly some truth to that. Like we are willing booers, I would say in, in most Philadelphia sports games, but um, also like, if you have that mentality where you're like, you at least like own up to what you did and you still like go out there and perform and he did, uh, then you're going to be loved and revered and get the respect back, which is what he got. But it's another, um, I don't know what you would even call it. Shulk mark on the, the cave that we are living in um, with this Phillies team, because let me tell you, it is, it has already been an emotional roller coaster uh, with this team. Six games. in. <laughs> did you see the greatest, uh, Remix video from John Foley at 2008 Phils. I did not. <laughs> so this is after the game. Obviously, Alec Bohm gives his press conference and everything. Um, and John Foley's just great. And uh, did a little remix. Um, I made a comment earlier. Today. <laughs> 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 and, uh, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. That'll never get old. That'll never get old. It's the best. It's just a culmination of our guys. Wow. Shout out to John Foley. He's hilarious on Twitter. If you guys aren't following him, you're doing Twitter wrong. I saw that and I was like, all right, we can close down Twitter tonight. Um, I just laugh because it's like he's walking up to Didi Gregorius to say it's like, just put your glove in front of your mouth. Also, it's like Didi and him probably have that conversation quite a bit because he's like, I'm kind of... Tough, tough day today for DD too. Yeah. Uh, not a, a hot start to the season either. Um, it's too early to like make a lot of conclusions about this Phillies team um, definitively. But I would say generally, this is the kind of team that we expected. Mm-hmm. And that you know you lose today nine to six. That's- Oddly enough, <laughs> it's the offense that's kind of gone missing. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, the the Athletics. Didn't, didn't really expect to have, the, especially on that third game, kind of the sputtering offense. And the Mets, uh, yeah, that was tough too. I mean, because outside of that that rally, I think you were pretty thoroughly outplayed by the Mets mm-hmm. in this series, which isn't a great sign. Um, now there's some like extenuating circumstances. You could make the case for some injuries and things like that. But um, I don't think it's out of the question that the Phillies could have been swept at home by the Mets. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't probably have, should have been wouldn't really have been egregious either that's worrying uh it doesn't matter like what stage of the season you're in if you're not performing well against 
your peers. That's just that just flat out isn't good enough. But um, too early for like alarm bells. But this is what we were worried about with the Phillies: is that if you aren't able to get that offensive production, um, the and, and the starting pitching too has not been has been a little hit or yeah. miss too. Which you know I think is across the board. If you look around the league, um, there's definitely been some like top tier pitching, but for the most part, a lot of guys only making four innings. Um, some guys already hurt. Some guys already hurt. Like a lot of guys like only, you know, uh, Wheeler was capped at like what they weren't going to give him more than like 70, 75 pitches. Yeah. And he um, threw 27 in the first inning. Right. So, and you know, Ranger Suarez has, I didn't think a bad outing, more like unlucky outing mm-hmm. that you just have sometimes. Like, I think there have been some circumstances that maybe change, but um, overall slightly worrying that the Phillies in their first real series I wouldn't say looked out of their depth, but looked the worst team yeah. out of the two uh, considerably. And like we said, like ironically enough, like knock on wood, so far it hasn't been the bullpen, which is weird. It is weird. Um, Brad Hand holds it down, which he was our preseason candidate for the guy that was going to drive us nuts. Hasn't been that guy yet. Um, he's actually looked really good. Um, but the guy we were worried about got option today. Connor Brogdon going down. Yeah. Strange. It's uh It's been a weird and now you get the Marlins and the Rockies on the road. So yeah. hopefully the bats wake up, uh especially in Colorado when you when you get that altitude, but it was good to see Bryce go yard today um cuz he needed that. You just you need the top of the lineup to hit and I don't know if Girardi just needs to mix up, you know, who that two-hole hitter is a bit, you know, whether it's, you know, putting Reese Hoskins at the two-hole putting Gene Segura when he's healthy in the two hole, something like that, and not just stacking like all these, you know, bashers at the top of the lineup and then it, you know, trickles down a little bit, but it you know, Schwarber hits that opening day home run and then hasn't done much since. Yeah, I think everyone's struggling for like rhythm at this point too, mm-hmm. which is which is tough. And really the Phillies, you know, outside of opening day, the offense really hasn't come alive in these games until later on. Uh, you know, you've you've had to go to like the fifth, sixth inning before they're, they're making any kind of headway. And it's funny today too, cause you have like Scherzer versus Nola and it's a 15 run game. <laughs> that's just, I don't know. That's a little bit of uh, the way the season might look for the Phillies, honestly. But yeah, it's again, it's, I think a little too early to make for sure calculations about what this mm-hmm. team is. Um, but this is the, the outline of the Phillies that we expected. Um, the offenses look good for the most part. Uh, but especially like just fielding. I mean, you saw with, you know, we're making jokes about the bone situation, but that is a very clear weakness of this. I just thought it was strange too. Like bones in a game with Ranger Suarez, who's like the, like, just like ground ball pitcher that we have mm. like low velocity guy. And you're playing a guy who's objectively terrible at fielding the especially... ball. Feels like just setting him up for failure, especially because they were switching between yeah. him and Stott. And like Ranger Suarez, like yes, he can strike guys out, but he's also he also had visa issues getting here to you right. know, start the season, so he's not completely like on track yet, from what we know of at least. He, he's gonna you know not be what he was to end last season, where he's you know being a flamethrower pitcher. He's got to ramp himself up because he wasn't here for all of you know the short in spring training and everything. Um, but you brought up Bryce; this had been pretty impressed so far. Yeah, he's looked good. Um, that's a good thing, and and obviously too, you have to wait another like month for Mickey Moniak to uh to work his way back in. But the good thing is, I'll say like, 
offensively, there's there's not a weakness, I would say, in the the batting order. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you're like watching the games, you're like, all right, like it's really like Matt Vierling that you're like, ah. But even he hasn't been awful. No. You know, like it's just um it's good that like you have to get all the way to nine to be like, ah, all right. Here's our chance. <laughs> to not feel like you don't have a shot, you yeah. know. And um Didi is I, I think has some some room for improvement, but mm-hmm. um he was already, I think, a little bit of a question mark coming into the season. And yeah, the the pitching has has been a little across the map so far. But I again I think that's something that uh I'm willing to ease up on because I don't think until like June you're going to see like real consistent pitching, not just from the Phillies, but I think a lot of teams because of that shortened spring training and um, the way they treat pitchers now too. It's it's just a little different. Joe Girardi had a walkie-talkie in the dugout today. He looked, he looked like a high school security guard. That's what I tweeted. <laughs> I said he looked like a high school security guard, that walkie-talkie. Like, what the hell was that? Um, but I think right now, you know, through six games, almost a, a full week of games now played for this Phillies team. I think my biggest concerns are Aaron Nola because he's been so, like, up and down. It's been a lot of weird inconsistencies today, especially. Couldn't find the strike zone early. And that that's also the the umpiring across the board in Major League Baseball to start this season has been abysmal. Um, just we, we don't need to be helping Max Scherzer with the strike zone. It, it was pretty uh ridiculous today seeing the amount of pitches get called strikes that were clearly out of the zone that Max Scherzer was getting called um and any other pitcher that goes up after an inning and argues with an umpire is getting tossed Max Scherzer gets to just have a whole full-blown like court case you know as he walks to the dugout um but I am kind of concerned about Aaron Nola right now yeah I mean he had had a kind of up and down season last year and it was some cause for concern um, but overall it was still a, a good pitcher, especially a good like number two option. And we had hoped that this season would be a return to that balance of, of the NOLA from like three seasons ago. But early signs have not been amazing. Um, pretty good on opening day. Yesterday, uh, today, I'm sorry, uh, not great. That's kind of how it was for mm-hmm. NOLA last year where you'd have these these really peaks and valleys with him. So um, what you're looking for out of him is, is, I think, a lot more consistency and, you know, hoping that he can get back to, like, a more, like, stable level, especially because, you know, I think it's going to take a, a few more weeks before we really see, like, Wheeler back at his best and able to go. You know, we don't even know when this pitch count is going to be, like, kind of ticked up, um, not just for him but for everyone too. And I don't think you're getting Kyle Gibson. Uh, <laughs> you mean Cy Gibson. Cy Gibson, I'm sorry. Uh, what did he end up with? Ten strikeouts? Ten strikeouts. Two <laughs> uh, hits. I don't think you're getting that type of performance. It's kind of hilarious that he had, like, one of the best pitching performances of the Major League season so far. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he would have been the last starter I think I, I would have uh, pegged for that. Outside so. of uh, today, Clayton Kershaw, seven perfect innings, uh, 80 pitches, but let's pull him from the game. That so sucks. The Padres did that a few times, too. Then they have no hitter. You Darvish mm-hmm. had a no hitter, and they pulled him, and then someone else, I think, had a no hitter, and they pulled That just, I get it, but I also don't get it. It's like 80 pitches, and he's got a perfect game. <laughs> like, come on. He's got, he's got Give him another nine inning. more outs to get. Give him one more inning. I, I was blown away by that. And I saw, I saw somebody today tweet to like starting pitching's dead just use an opener to start every single game if this is what it's going to come to and it's like no it's not starting pitching is dead it's managers are overthinking the game i think i think there's something to that 
I do think the shortened spring training is whether it's fair or not is I think in a lot of mm-hmm. managers' heads and like the probably like the like athletic trainings departments heads too like the keeping these guys healthy. Um, I think I think that's playing like a a big shadow, maybe a, a larger shadow than it should be on a lot of these pitchers to start the season. Um, and you know, let's be honest, pitchers too are kind of like they're a crazy bunch yeah and i think have like weird routines and habits um so if they feel even a little bit off whether it's true or not doesn't matter that's the way they feel and you know i I think sometimes you get a a response to that in the way of getting hooked early or managing pitching limits you're telling me kershaw can throw 10 more pitches you know like i just (laughs) see where it goes see where it goes see where it goes you know like by inning yeah like i i don't think so you know it's just um Come on. If you got a perfect, you know, no hitter, whatever, maybe. It would have been the 24th perfect game, perfect game in Major League history. Um, but I do have good news, Matt. Our favorite game is now available on pickup. Oh. And there's an added caveat. We've got season long. So everybody knows last season we started playing the NL East run differential as our favorite game uh, during baseball season. You guys can now play along with us at playpickup.com. It's the best place <laughs> To play the props, it's free to play. Anybody can play. We have the season-long option, so you'll you just pick who you think is going to have the best at the end of the season, and we're also doing it every month. So you can play for April. Once May rolls around, you'll have May, June, July, August, September, and we'll see what we can do for the playoffs if it gets there. But right now, go to playpickup.com, uh, and I think they just started rolling out the texting feature. I'm going to find that out for next week where you guys can text in uh, your picks and everything, which will be very fun. Uh, but go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports, rack up points on your fan profiles, cash them in for prizes, playpickup.com. Matt, the NL East run differential, it's very on brand right now. The standings, Stupid? yeah. <laughs> the standings, New York Mets are 5-2, and two, Phillies at 3-3, three and three, the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves are 3-4. and four. You didn't have to say that. I know you did that as a bit. But you didn't have to say that. The Washington uh, stolen franchise Nationals are three and four, and the Miami Marlins, who the Phillies will see uh, this weekend, one and four in the basement. Don't worry, they'll be uh, they'll be three and four yeah. after the, three and Before five after we this it. weekend. <laughs> Let's start from the bottom. Yeah, the Miami Marlins sitting at minus six. The Washington Nationals sitting at minus twelve. Atlanta Braves sitting at minus three, which is kind of shocking with their offense. I have different numbers. I have Nationals at minus 14, Braves at minus 1. I don't know if Yours that... might be updated from yeah. today. Uh, Phillies at plus 2, Okay. Mets at plus 12. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already of a term, isn't no. It? I think that's how it we always goes. Like forty-five minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. 
I am Matt Ketcher. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Ben's time. What's up? We're back. I don't know if uh, I think I think that is updated for today. But early on, Philly's uh, positive after a week is a good sign. Some some trends holding over from last season: the Marlins being basement, but uh, weird because they have such good pitching that they rarely get blown out of games. Um, only 20, 20 runs against, uh, whereas the Nationals and Braves have 37 and 34, which is insane. That's insane early on in the season. Uh, for reference, the Phillies actually have, statistically, the best defense in the division. Which is right now. astonishing. Which is, um, should we say, stupid. Actually, the worst, but behind the Marlins, the, the worst offense in the division. Only 19 runs scored. God, Doesn't make you it. feel great, but... Um, I think uh, this, like, really think of it as, like, opening week has given me a lot of, uh, a lot to be hopeful for with the Phillies. I'd say I think mine is updated from today because mine says 25 runs scored for the Phillies. Okay. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps it is true. Might be. It's so strange because my record is updated, but none of the, uh, none of the stats. Yeah, because I have Miami at minus six, Braves minus three, Washington minus twelve, Phillies minus one, and then the Mets at plus fifteen. Not yet, that makes sense. Man, Mets good to, have, Mets good to have this to play back. a home game. Yeah, a little worried about the Mets, but it's fine. They'll self destruct. Yeah, give it till Memorial Day. Maybe maybe July, and then Bobby Bonilla Day. That's still wild. He's getting paid out. <laughs> Bobby Bonilla Day goes on until twenty thirty five. That's really the way to do it is like take the biggest offer you can in sports. doesn't matter where and hope you get bought out or something, or you have to reach some agreement with the team and just they owed him $5 million and it's going to end up being almost $28 million. He gets paid. It's insane. That's got that. I mean, I know, I know it very much is, but like it, it just has to be one of the worst or if not the worst deal a team has ever made. Easily, I because it's like, like the Bobby Bonilla deal. Yeah, like it's just Kirk Cousins at least was like playing for you while you're paying. Yeah, him, though. you know, that's like true. And not only that, but like you're paying him out five times what you had to <laughs> for what? I think the next closest in any sport because I just saw it on Twitter the other day. The Lakers just finished paying Luol Deng. Yeah, who has not played for the Lakers since 2017. Yeah. Um, after this series two against the Mets. I feel confident in saying this, Matt. I know I'm, I've been on the record the past couple of years saying my hatred in the NL East has has varied over the years. I think the Mets are back in first place of my hatred. Right, can we talk about Francisco Lindor's uh, <laughs> hair? Just how awful it is. Mr. Freeze. It's so stupid looking. <laughs> Should we thumbs down his hair? <laughs> it's not even like Mets blue. No. <laughs> it's like... I it's like it was, it, and then he went swimming, and it got yeah. Uh, yeah, the chemicals, chemicals reacted with it. Um, yeah, I, I don't care for the Mets. I 
why is everyone trying to make me like Pete Alonso? Right. What is what is this? What is the He's Pete just Alonso? a glorified <laughs> home run derby player. But like, why he killed us? But yes. <laughs> like, why? But why do I don't like him it. as a person? Why is what is the the propaganda machine for Pete Alonso? He's very goofy looking too. Yeah. He looks like, uh, you know, one of those toys that you'd find at the aquarium that you just squeeze <laughs> and then like their appendages in their face just squeeze out of their face. That's Pete Alonso. Yeah. Not a, not a lovable bunch of the Mets. He kind of, no, Pete Alonso kind of looks like a character from Doug. <laughs> I could definitely see that. He's roughly drawn. Uh, but everybody knows over the past couple of years, I've said the Nationals used to be at the top of my hatred list. It's kind of hard to hate them when there's like four former Phillies on that team. And and, and they look as bad as they have. Scherzer's gone, so there's yeah. no Scherzer hatred. Obviously, Bryce plays for us. Zimmerman retired. Juan Soto's fun. Yeah. Michael Franco's playing for that team. Cesar Hernandez is playing for them. Yeah, Victor Arano looked like a Cy Young candidate. Cesar Hernandez going for the uh, going for the all division right. team, right? I mean, <laughs> just go ring chase a little bit, why don't you? It's like the rebuild Phillies are, are just playing in DC, and it makes sense because it's Citizens Bank Park South. Yeah, um, but yeah, the Mets are, are definitely back, the, and I'm sure that's going to change when we play the Braves later on this year too. Um, but, I mean, so far, Major League Baseball has been very fun. There's been a lot of just good games outside of the umpiring, I think, that has just been atrocious and I think just needs to be – like, did you see the video of uh, from the Braves game the other night, Angel Hernandez just behind the plate, like, putting a, a freaking curse on the Braves pitcher? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing? That was unreal. Someone, someone's really—they're all bucking for the new most hated umpire spot. Oh I yeah, think is what's what's really happening. It's just—they're all looking uh, for it. Just a wild scene. But uh, the other, the other team that's still playing with uh, with meaningful purpose, not named the Philadelphia Union, 76ers. Of course, now we get round one against the Magnetic Rims. No Matisse Thibel in games three and four. No one will know this. But I just had the biggest chill go down my spine. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how I feel about this series. Hate it. <laughs> I don't I know it. how I feel. Um, mostly off nostalgia, also off the fact that uh, they served up two losses to us in the last month. Um, it's weird because like you can't, you almost can't draw too much out of the season series against the Raptors because. One half of those games are played without James Harden, mm-hmm. and then of those two that we played without James Harden, one of those was without Embiid too. Like it's just before Harden arrives, it's really no point. And then both of the games since, uh, there's been a few Raptors missing, and then there's been some Sixers players like in various states of flux. So, um, yeah, it's the big thing is obviously Thibel's not going to be available to go to Toronto at least as it stands. We don't know that there's as of yet any like change on that which maybe there will be maybe we'll be like surprised who knows but um yeah it's it's a tough series i i think it's it's going to be a big challenge for the sixers um but i'll also say that given like the challenges that they could have had probably still the best matchup for them um, besides the bulls besides the bulls right the bulls like getting to three would have been spectacular yeah. um but then you know you're obviously setting yourself up no matter what your next round is going to be challenging Mm -hmm. um i think the biggest win is that one of boston slash brooklyn is going home in the first round yeah i think i think that i would i would have to agree there um but yeah you know you're avoiding that 
side of the bracket at least um and listen you know like that didn't work for the sixers last year <laughs> um just play who's ever in front of you but yeah it's it's a very very challenging first round matchup the raptors have a lot of ways that they can influence and uh disrupt the sixers mm -hmm. they are a lengthy athletic bunch with good speed and they only play like six men anyway so like the playoffs so they're, they're kind of made for that already because uh so many of these guys are playing like 40 minutes every single night and yeah i mean the sixers also too i i'm curious to see defensively what they do in this series because um the raptors don't have like that pure score that you maybe have with other teams uh Siakam's obviously going to be the biggest threat but um sixers also don't have that pure defensive stopper like they've had in the playoffs and again you're going to be missing perhaps your best defensive player not named joel Embiid um out for every toronto game so that's gonna be a challenge but thibel being missing for those games could be interesting too because i think at times he's been a little bit of a like lead a lead necklace you know like where because of how good he is defensively you kind of feel attached to him but you know you've had to drop him late in games for what he can't do offensively mm -hmm. and now danny green i think had a pretty good uh end to the season you know these are the moments that you want him to obviously perform his best in, and we'll keep see. Keep those hamstrings loose, brother. <laughs> keep those hamstrings loose. Uh, yeah, tell that to James Harden as well. Yes. Uh, this series, I mean, you know, I think that's also the elephant in the room here. It is so much of these playoffs are going to ride on James Harden's ability to get separation and look like himself. I think some of the discussion about him has been a little overblown, but he has he has looked off, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, he hasn't quite reached the level of, like, right after the trade where he looked amazing um but that player's there that's the thing is yeah. that i you know whether it's injury whether it's just focus or motivation I, I don't know exactly but we know that james harden with the sixers can put up amazing performances mm -hmm. it happened like four weeks ago you know that that wasn't nothing so yeah i uh i i'm ho i'm really hopeful on that on that front and um yeah a lot of what happens in the series i think is going to be a product of harden and Embiid. that's why you got these guys is to push yourself deep in the playoffs because you know the playoffs can very often come down to who just has the either the best guy or the two best guys on the floor and the Sixers will have that in this series uh Harden and Bede for me are, are the two best players in this in this series which matters a lot it really does they might even have the best three with Terry's Maxi. yeah I think Maxi Siakam are in a similar tier um but you know it's it's all going to come down to execution mm -hmm. and the thing that I think worries you a little bit too is you know Doc versus Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, a, a much it's more... It's the hospital series. It's the hospital series. Um, Nick Nurse, a little bit more of like a pragmatic coach, definitely willing to like roll and flow with the game, whereas Doc Rivers seems much more rigid. Um, we'll see what happens also, too, with his B-ball Paul experiment versus DeAndre Jordan. Can we talk about that just... Um, do we have to? Unprofessional <laughs> outburst he had with the media. What a loser. I get that sometimes you may feel you know, as a coach or player or whoever, that some of the questions are beneath you and that ultimately, yeah, am I willing to believe that Doc Rivers knows more about basketball than most people? Absolutely. Sure. Whatever. That's fine. That's a given. You go into a, the conversation always knowing that the guy who played and coached professionally for the last like 40 years probably knows quite a bit about basketball, but that doesn't mean they're infallible. Right. And that doesn't mean that you can't ask a question and get a response. Especially like, when it's somebody as privy to this team who has been around as long as Derek Bodner has. And it was a totally reasonable question too. That didn't deserve the like 
animosity that it received. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, so yeah, Doc. In some ways, it feels like a funeral procession through yes. the playoffs, um, because I, th- I think especially with the Lakers' job opening up, and there's been some smoke. I think some of that has been wish casting by Sixers fans mm-hmm. <laughs> um, about Doc maybe taking that position. Um, if it, I mean, it's a crucial, crucial playoffs for him. Can't be understated at all. That if especially if we lose in the first round, that's a disaster. Oh, I don't yeah. care what you call it. like. I don't care that the Raptors are a good team. If you lose in the first round, it's a disaster for the Sixers. And I, I think equally not making the conference finals. Mm-hmm. You can't. I wouldn't lose call it a dis- second round again. Would not call it a disaster, but I I think Doc Rivers is certainly not here. If you lose, it, it's a massive in the, failure in the second round. And I think, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens from there. So conference finals, I think, has to be the minimum expectation for this team. I still think they have a championship ceiling. Um, I think. It's not inconceivable to me that we could be like chatting this time next week after watching the first few games of this series and Harden looks great and you're taking like a 2-0 lead to Toronto and you think, wow, you know, this is what this team was built to do and I trusted it, you know, uh, but, you know, it could also be one and one <laughs> like going into Toronto. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious just to see this team in the playoffs, how they perform, how Harden performs. Um, does Doc change? I'm... <laughs> Not expecting any movement on that front, but um, he's he's gonna have he's gonna have to coach his ass off in this mm-hmm. series. I, I'll say that. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work, and with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. It's not even that, like, I'm scared, quote-unquote, scared of Toronto as a team. It's just the fact that we've seen Doc Rivers in this position before. His stubbornness gets in the way all the time. And now that he's downed one player for at least two games of this series... Who knows what his brain is going to do when it comes to piecing together these these all-bench lineups that he still loves to deploy in the playoffs and his just ever-loving attachment to DeAndre Jordan. They do get um, Dave Yeager back, by the way, who's obviously uh, battling cancer. He's going to be back. with, And, you know, maybe there's an influence that is missing. And he was, missing. what, 2-0 and in yeah. his interim <laughs> stint when Doc maybe, was out? Maybe he's a better voice in the room that can, like push things in a better direction shout out Dave Yeager but uh I yeah it's it's so much of this is resting on Doc you know you move on from Ben and that was a a core reason why we lost in the playoffs last year but it shouldn't be lost on anyone that Doc was also a huge piece of that as well so it's it's make or break time for him we've seen coaches in the past though that have been maligned turn it around and and make something work so maybe (laughs) 
Maybe that's what happens, right? Did you uh, did you see Allah absolutely dunk on Ben Simmons on Twitter? I did not, but uh, sure, this is great. NBA Central per Scoop B, of course, uh, tweeted out, Nets player's been challenging Ben Simmons in practice, and Simmons' confidence is, quote, at an all-time high. Uh, another quote here. He walks around like he's Jordan. <laughs> and Allah, quote, tweeted that tweet and said, Montel Jordan? Um. Yeah, I did. I did see that. I didn't see Alice tweet, but um, it's such a weird quote. <laughs> and I think just to like people that haven't been around Ben Simmons or had to root for him or like read about him for the last like four or five years, mm-hmm. that it comes across in a good way. To me, that is same old Ben Simmons, in that um, he constantly has that swagger about himself even when he's done absolutely nothing to improve his game at all. Uh, he has this like air of confidence about him that at times I think is undeserved. So he, I mean, it's, you know, big playoffs for them too, right? You know, uh, up against Boston and, you know, he's apparently uh, going to be ready for the playoffs. He's working through his back injury still. Um, but he could be a huge X factor for them too. You know, can't, can't undersell that either. You know how important he can be to the, the nets, but, if he does play in games three and four, like they're claiming he'll be ready for, how many times do you think we see the uh, the infamous Ben Simmons Celtics picture <laughs> with him at the arc? Tell you what, I mean, just... if, if if he ends up playing and he makes it like game five, that's talk about like one of your. I know that he, you know, whatever happened, right? But mm-hmm. obviously, he didn't play in Philly that game. Um, if you had to pick like the worst next city for Ben Boston. Simmons to like make a let's even just say a debut or just you know like your third game <laughs> it's Boston in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh like another like if you're talking like a guy who's had some some mental issues the last year, year and a half, two years whatever with anxiety and not feeling comfortable, that is literally like one of the psychotraumatic places <laughs> for Ben Simmons is Boston. So, um probably not the best not ideal it's like getting out of rehab and immediately being offered like uh by a friend to go on a bar crawl it is like (laughs) you're immediately testing yourself just and your your will is maybe at your weakest it's ever been (laughs) uh the the other team in town that's actually playing extremely well uh and this will be brought to you by our pals over at bino board uh, you guys can go to binoboard.com. That's B-I-N-H-O-B-O-A-R-D.com. Check out all the, the boards, the accessories. They got the Team USA World Cup board. It's limited edition, along with uh, a pretty dope long sleeve t-shirt uh, to celebrate Team USA getting back into the World Cup. Uh, you can use our code BINOUSP for 10% off your entire order at binoboard.com. Matt, the Philadelphia Union are at the top of the table. Undefeated. Only undefeated team in MLS. Uh, early favorites for the Supporter Shield, of course. They've looked really good. I've been really impressed with the Union so far this year. Been catching a lot more of their games, too, which has been fantastic. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Great defensive team. Uh, it's funny because, like, Philly's always had these, like, really good defensive teams. Mm-hmm. Like, you can think, like, the Buddy Ryan Eagles, like, always, like, I think for the older crowd, like, a big source of inspiration. Yes. And uh, some of, like, the best Eagles, most revered Eagles have been more on the defensive side, right? Um, and the Union kind of have that spirit, <laughs> that intensity. Um, they're playing super well. 
I think uh, deserve a, a lot more credit for how they're performing um, because this hot start is not just a hot start. This is a continuation uh, of the last few seasons under the union in which they've been one of the best teams in the MLS. And yeah, the, the biggest thing for them has just been um, that real lack of like playoff success. Uh, they get to the conference final last year and they get the most ludicrous and unfortunate COVID situation I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it really felt like if things were different then, maybe they're in the MLS Cup and who knows. But um, they put themselves in a really strong position early on in the season. And, you know, they just beat the the crew who were a really good like early season test for them. Um, but you look at the teams that they've beat so far and, and there's some, some good teams on that list. Um, took care of Charlotte too when it, in their inaugural season. That feels nice. You don't want to be like the inaugural teams like one of their like wins of the season right. uh, which which you you would have been but yeah now you've got a uh, Toronto up next who are in a, a state of transition a little bit this year and uh, they're waiting they, they signed Lorenzo Insigne uh, so they're sort of hands on their knees waiting till July when he can uh, arrive but um, yeah I, I think some some really quality wins so far and um, I'm really excited to see uh, see where the season takes them because they've been great I think this year might be the year I finally get to a union game. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful day out, too. Um, I would definitely recommend it. It's a great stadium. Tickets are, 100%. like, very fairly priced. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a great time. We uh, we had to get in the hole, boys, here this past weekend, and we were, we were here on Saturday, and a uh, certain sports book, no free ads, they put out uh, a list of, like, the top ten uh, New York athletes, like, right now. And we all agreed it was it was kind of, you know, ridiculous with the list. I don't even remember all of the people on the list, per se. Um, but we tried to go through. We literally went through almost every single city. Um, so I figured I'd ask you if we went through Philadelphia. Top 10 athletes in this city right now. Immediately, Joel Embiid, Bryce Harper are at the top. Um, Bryce Harper reigning MVP. Joel Embiid potential MVP this season. Um Man, I said Jason Kelsey number three. I think that's that's fair. Uh, I don't think that's that's an unreasonable opinion. Um, it's hard to like rank cross sport yeah. who's those were like the better. top three like um, that we came up with. I I personally included Andre Blake. He ha- he has to he be has to be <laughs> he has to kind of be when you consider how good they've been defensively. A, a large part of that is because you know he's one of the best keepers in the league. Um, I think it's fair to put Andre Blake in, in the top 10 uh, because of how good he has been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's been like a, a goalkeeper of the year, which is like, you know, we haven't had many Philly athletes win like Couturier, right? Like, win, and I think he's probably in that top 10 too. But like a lot of the, like, we don't have those individual awards very often. It's why mm-hmm. Embiid and Bryce Harper are immediately to the top because, you know, to have MVPs is very special, but um yeah, we, we don't get guys always recognized for their, like, individual brilliance. So, yeah. Couturier would have to be up there. I, I, I'd i say, like, Wheeler. I said Wheeler was on the list. I, I said JT was on the list. JT. Best catcher Positional in the game. dominance for sure. Um. We all know the traditional big four sports, and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens 
as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. I said Darius Slay. Darius Slay. I could see that. But then the more I was thinking about it, I was like, do you put Darius Slay or do you put Brandon Graham? Darius Slay's, I think, best moments were not necessarily as an eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, probably Brandon Graham. Yeah. On that one. Um, who else did I include from... I think those were the only Phillies were Bryce, JT, and Zach Wheeler. Yeah, very fair, very reasonable. Andre Blake, Jason Kelsey, Darius. We said Darius Slay, but the more I think about it, I think it should be Brandon Gray. I think Darius Slay could make his way onto that list. Um, I don't know if there's any other flyers, though. A team that bad can't have. Yeah. <laughs> Because they were like Carter Hart, and I was like, I don't think he's there yet. Yeah, I don't think he's like a top 10 athlete in this city. No. Um, and then I think making his way, potentially, is Devontae Smith. Yeah, I think if you're doing this list like next year, he's firmly in that list. He's, I'd say, borderline this year. And then we said James Harden. Yeah. Yep, James Harden has to be on that list, too. And I think... Even next year when you're making this list, Tyrese Maxey's Maxey is one to firmly watch on that list. whatever we uh, move Tobias for this summer. <laughs> Did you find it hilarious that the playoff marketing was Joel Embiid, oh, James Harden, Tobias Harris? You just know someone is making a phone call about making sure Tobias was the third star on there. I, I personally read that as, oh, these are the guys making the most money. <laughs> I mean, literally. That's, that's how it goes. It's like being top billed you yeah. know, on the movie poster. Tyrese Maxey just gets the nice little credit at the bottom featuring... Um, and introducing Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> Sneaky though, like Tyrese Maxey has playoff experience too. Mm-hmm. For being like a like, there's one good thing he has under his belt going into this. Has saved uh, a series and literally well, elongated a series. He's played in high pressure situations yeah. already, which is uncommon for like a second year player who um, also never played in the NCAA tournament. Right, and also like we were begging to have play more. Um, so it's good that he got the little that he did um, because that's going to be huge. Because otherwise he would've been he's really untested, you know, mm-hmm. if he doesn't even get those those little moments last year. Um and l- remembering how well he performed in the playoffs, that was like the big drumbeat coming into this season was how good he was and how he's one of the very few like <laughs> effective players besides Joel Embiid and Seth Curry offensively um for us at stretches and you know I think that's that's good that's good to know that he like those situations don't affect him all that yeah. much I think the only time I've seen him affected was the Nets game yeah on like Ben's home and I think that was like almost the entire team the entire team looked awful so but Maxi looked and right, I think those moments too, like when Mac, when we played that game against the Nuggets, when Maxi put up thirty nine, yeah. and it was basically just the Tyrese Maxi show. Like I think those games are kind of like stepping stones for him to have like that confidence in the playoffs, where it's like, oh, you know, we're shorthanded, but I can take over a game single handedly and, and yeah. do my thing, play my game, and nobody's gonna really you know test me or stop me from doing that. And I think those types of games are important too to kind of just add into what we've seen him do in, you know, his short span in the playoffs last season. Um, when he won, what was it, game five that he 
pretty much saved yeah. it. Yeah. So. God damn, do I love Maxi? He's the best. Um. Sixers in blank. I think six. I I think um, I think this would be a challenging series, but I still I still think it favors the Sixers. I don't want to sound too like defeatist mm-hmm. or alarmist or anything, but I do think they have to be wary. And it's yeah. very as far as like I mean, it's four or five matchups, so it's it's always going to be challenging. But I think it's it's one of the more challenging first round matchups the Sixers have had, um, really in this like playoff era, mm-hmm. right? Like they've historically kind of had opponents. You know, last year you have the Wizards, which you walk over and it isn't for that Embiid knee injury, you sweep them. Um, so, you know, I, I think for me, it, it's, a, it's a really, really tough opponent to have in the first round. But I, I, I do think the Sixers are the better team. They're the more talented team. And I, I think they're, they're rightly favored in this one, and, and they should. And I think Sixers and Sixes is, is reasonable. Is this the toughest first-round matchup since 2018? 2018 was, was that the, the Celtics? He- or was that the Heat? Uh, that was the we played the Celtics in the second round. Okay, yeah. Uh, that was the that was that the was Embiid when we should have. Yes, um, yeah. That was the the Heat series was when we were like really hot on this team. <laughs> we thought, wow, Marco Bellinelli, baby. <sighs> that was a son of a bitch. Um, let's get into some Survivor talk to uh, wrap this thing up. We have a two-hour episode tonight. I had forgotten about that until you just mentioned it. And they're bringing back the corporate sponsor reward challenge. Um, no free ads, but they're getting Applebee's. Which I kind of like. I, I kind of like the, the shilling. Yeah. Where they go to the Applebee's bar or whatever. Um, it's funny. And it like kind of reminds me of like a little more n- nostalgic, right? Mm-hmm. Like where, oh, yeah. Like remember when they used to have like these really gaudy, yeah. like weird challenge rewards. Let's go back um, to like Vanuatu. <laughs> or like the worst ones were like the... um. God, there was one season. I can't remember which one. It was like a new phone had come out. Yeah, it was like a Sprint phone or yeah, something Yeah, and it like was that. like you could take video now. And it was insane because, of course, like I was rewatching this like a year or two ago. And at the time, it's like amazing that this phone could take like 360p video. <laughs> um, but it was like you like were, it was during the family visit. So mm-hmm. they could like record them with their family and take pictures. I'm like, God, those pictures must be awful now. <laughs> like, Just hilarious. Uh, they were losing their minds in the the preview clip there. But last week, uh, one of our our bottom rung guys goes home. Daniel gets uh, voted out, uh, which I was, you know, pleased with. You and I both pleased, I think, whenever the Green Drive goes to Tribal Council and Mike survives. (laughs) Mike's doing pretty well, actually. Yes, he has really turned it around. He's kind of like, I think he got a little bit of like the funny guy uh, edit, like, funny accent guy and like mm-hmm. let's just you know but he's like actually i think a little more intelligent than we're being led to believe oh, yeah. and i think a little more in control of the game than we're being led to believe too especially I think now he that he has his vote back yeah he has his vote back and too like in in this situation we saw that it the vote was really like revolving around him um he seemed like one of like he never seemed one in danger but also too it seemed very much like kind of the way mike wanted it to go mm-hmm. was how it was going to go um, and that's good. And now you have to hope that Chanel is with you. Um. To get in the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at get in the whole pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content, keeping you up to date on the world of golf. 
releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I guess Daniel was just a little too naive. Naive and I think a little too willing to play both sides. Yes. And I think publicly kind of put his his foot in the mouth a little bit. But I'm really impressed with High again. Uh, definitely one of my like top three this week for sure. Yeah. Still still up there because he really impressed me too. Would you consider him a villain? I wouldn't point? say so. I would not say a villain. I, I He hasn't done anything like outwardly or openly negative or treacherous or like anything like that he's just i think he's played like a very smart game so far um he does like he has like i think the potential to mm-hmm. be a villain because i think because villains are often very smart yeah <laughs> i think know? we got a glimpse of that in the one tribal council where he was like i'm not changing my vote uh you know i'm i think that was that like, just very calculated mm-hmm. because Daniel showed way too much of his hand, a little yeah. bit of naiveness, and I just completely ran away with that leverage that he had, which was smart. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, he got what he wanted and, you know, broke up someone from the other side of the tribe. Um, yeah, so I I like I like both High and Mike coming out of that situation, but uh, we don't know yet, but we have to imagine that it's going to follow the same way it did last year where you split up the tribes mm-hmm. and, you know, Anything can happen when that you can get just totally unlucky and a good player can be gone because of, you know, just a, a twist in the game. We'll see if we have the hourglass twist too. If that's back, kind of hope it isn't, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is. If that's part of the show, we'll, we'll watch it, talk about it, but, um, looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. But yeah, I was, I was very, very impressed with, with high and Mike again, uh, last, last week. And, uh, I just love that. It's just becoming, Everybody's favorite talking point that Roxroy throws on the Rex Packs. Yeah. Every single Omer, week. by the way, um, doesn't know that he doesn't have a vote. I, uh, he he and um, I forget who went on the excursion. Oh, right. He doesn't know yet. They haven't been to tribal. He yeah. does not know that he doesn't have a vote. Um, that could get That's interesting because interesting. I forgot about they're that. They're going to be in most likely, right? you know, that's what the twist is going to be, that they're going to be split into, like, the small tribes again. Um, he could go into tribal thinking maybe he has the numbers or he's going to have to, like, whatever, and then get up there and realize he doesn't have a vote and be totally screwed. So, wonder if there's a little bit of chaos waiting for us there. Also, the most dull and non-interactive uh, trip up the mountain with <laughs> Rocks Roy. <laughs> yeah, was that, like... It's almost funny though because I feel like that's how it would be for like ninety nine percent of people. Yes. In this situation, yet it seemed like every time we've gotten it, we've got these like deep, heart to heart, passionate heart to hearts, and it's actually like two people that maybe just don't really get along that much, um, and don't have a lot in common, and probably also, uh, you know, if I'm in Lydia's shoes, I'm scared because yeah, I'm away from camp all day, yeah. and like I don't know what I'm walking into when I get back, and neither of them seemed willing to like give up. Uh, information you know about themselves or about their place which is smart actually i think too i think people have i understand like you kind of have to take risks and try and like lend out that branch to to another player and hope that it pays dividends i do think there's nothing wrong as well with like being a little guarded and Mm -hmm. (laughs) not just giving away the you know everything that's happened to you in the game every alliance that you're in whatever whatever um and maybe keeping things a little more mysterious 100 percent uh i think we're probably same top three up uh and 
pretty close to top three down. A little change with Daniel going home, but uh, top three up for me. Jonathan's still there. I mean, he's firmly entrenched, I think, until we see, like you said, the the small tribe switch up, see who he's aligned with. And that's going to be interesting, too. If Omer and Jonathan are split up, Omer might be in trouble. Right. And I think if I'm Jonathan's on my split-up tribe, I feel amazing because yes. <laughs> he is shown to truly be like a difference maker. Um, and, yeah, you know, winning you that challenge. Um, yeah, I, I think high for me, is, is certainly up there. I'm between Mike, Jonathan, and Drea. Mm-hmm. Um, Drea got another advantage, right? She uh, Did she find the... She got the idol, right? Yeah. So... She got the, the three-way... Uh, yeah. So... Phrase idol. Strong position. Seems like a smart player. I like Drea a lot. I think she has a lot going for her. So, hi, Drea. I'll go Mike simply because he has an advantage, and I think that's that's good. Uh, people will know about it because mm-hmm. inevitably, of course. But um, I kind of like Mike's position. I don't think he's necessarily tied to high, but I do think like having that connection with him is ultimately probably going to be beneficial uh, for him. Drea and Roxroy are Jonathan is tied to I think lesser players. Yes, Omer, Marianne. We haven't seen enough out of Lindsay just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, a little weaker for me than like someone like High who can who can get you places. Dre and Roxroy are giving off Shannon Ricard vibes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I think too like we're like they're working together. Dre is a also... lot more self aware. Yes, um, which is good. I and I think she's more the Ricard. Yes, and I th- I think can use that to her advantage. And I I'm looking forward to seeing her. We're like they're working together, but they secretly want to just slice each other's heads mm-hmm. off. Um, three down. Chanel's in my bottom still. Yeah, she's kind of like the weak link of the Green Tribe. Um, Hate to do it to her. Chanel's in mine as well. Hate to do it to Marianne. Love her. Yeah, but um, sometimes you see a player and you're like, I'm not sure they could win. Yeah, and Marianne's just she's very JD. Marianne kind of feels like not gonna win. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, seems like a very nice pleasant person but tough uh and roxroy i i think again just screams take me to the final three mm-hmm. and no one will vote for me i yeah. don't know like he just every time we see him on the show it's about him just kind of being a little abrasive and uh bossy and i just i don't know that at the end of the day people are going to vote to give him a million dollars that's it yeah, that's <laughs> gonna be tough <laughs> it's a tough sell it's tough to uh to buy into the rack specs yes um, so we're going to go catch uh, a two-hour edition of Survivor. Be sure to follow us on the socials at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. Subscribe to the podcast feeds, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let us know how you're feeling about the Phillies one week in how you feel about this Sixers-Raptors series, and anything else in between. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know they're five stars. Subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. 18 subscribers away from full video episodes of your favorite Underground Sports Philadelphia shows being available to watch on our YouTube channel, plus a whole bunch of getting the whole content from this past weekend going up on the channel very, very soon, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, we were out on the course, man. Dick Vermeule told John, you know how to golf. 
I said that's got to go in your Twitter bio. <laughs> that is. You got a Hall of Fame football coach. That's one you, you keep know with you. That's yeah. one you keep with you. Uh, so you definitely don't want to miss out on that. And uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen. Uh, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. And of course, Tomahawk Shades, the best small badge eyewear in the game. Go to TomahawkShades.com and use code USP for 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com, use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia area. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And our pals over at Bino Board, go to BinoBoard.com and use our code BINOUSP. That's B-I-N-H-O-U-S-P for 20, or, uh, 10% off your entire order from our pals at Bino. And, of course, play the NLE's run differential props at PlayPickup.com. Anybody can play, rack up points on your fan profiles, play along with Matt and I all season long uh, on the month-by-month and the full season uh, and at least run differential props at playpickup.com. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 420. For Matt, I'm KB. Till next time, we are signing off. Peace. I'm